Hello and welcome back to the PPA podcast. It's Sophia Cullinane here. So my focus for these upcoming episodes is well-being. I love using this space to expand our knowledge and become conscientious performers so we can explore our craft in a healthy and sustainable way. Today's episode is with Genevieve Tawia. Genevieve is a performance and vocal physiotherapist. She's got an amazing depth of knowledge and experience working with many performing industry professionals on West End musicals and plays, Strictly Come Dancing, and she also works in clinics across London. So let's jump straight into today's episodes. Enjoy! So hello Genevieve, welcome to the PPA podcast. Hey, happy to be here. (laughs) How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm all good. I've been quite excited about this. Oh, good. I'm super excited to chat to you. So, I mean, shall we just jump straight in? We can start with our quick fire round as per usual. So they're just quite silly, quite random. Um, so let's begin. Coffee or tea? <laughs> tea. <laughs> nice. Uh, TV or books? Oh, that's a hard one. I'm going to say TV because we all get we get addicted to Netflix. So yeah. That counts. <laughs> Is there anything you're watching at the moment that you're addicted to? Uh, uh, I'm looking for a new series to watch at the moment. So oh. we'll have to hold on that one. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favourite genre? I like kind of crime documentaries where you have to work out what's happened. Where oh, it kind nice. of like pays <laughs> oh, yeah. That's up my street too. I like that. <laughs> Next one is be able to play 10 different instruments or speak 10 different languages. Instruments, easily, yeah. Instruments. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. Tap dance or ballet dance? Ah, oh, see, when I was younger, I used to love tap, but now I'm like, I wish I did ballet. <laughs> wish ah. I did ballet. Yeah, ballet yeah, so is that- known as the foundation. Well, that's it. And I just, I think when I was a kid, I just got bored too quickly. And now I'm like, why didn't I pay attention? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yoga or Pilates? Oh, I favour yoga, but I use Pilates a lot in my practice. Um, Mm. I think they've got two very different kind of benefits, but I I like my yoga. (laughs) Nice. And to end on a physio theme, foam rolling Mm. or stretching? Ooh. very different purposes I know <laughs> um for me personally um combination can't pick um, nice yeah. I was kind of <laughs> expecting that answer but I mean lots of people it's a controversial thing people have different um I think as you said like it's really personal so amazing well that is the end of the little quick fire round so can I just start with could you briefly kind of outline how you describe your job or work at the moment? Yeah, fab. Um, so I'm a performing arts physio. Um, so if you went to a physio via the NHS and saw someone because of a muscle or bone injury, you get referred to a department which is called MSK. So that's kind of the sector that I work in, but I work privately. So my workload at the moment consists of 
um, two clinic bases where I see people who just book directly in or via a company called Complete Physio in Chelsea. And I also look after the Drifters Girl, which is on the West End and a few other shows that come into me in clinic. Um, I see pretty much anything that comes under the kind of MSK umbrella. If you've got a joint injury, muscle injury, voice issues, issues with the jaw, I, I'll see it or I'll refer onwards if it is out of my scope. <laughs> so could you clarify what is MSK? So it stands for musculoskeletal. Mm. So essentially muscle, bone, nerve injury, that kind of thing. If it comes under, so physios cover quite a lot. If it comes under, let's say they've got a respiratory issue or there's something that's more hospital based or let's say a specialist brain issue, then I would tend to refer on. Mm. Okay, amazing. So how how did you get into physio and vocal health then? So I kind of, I'm a go with the flow person. When I was younger, I kind of picked my career on the basis of what I was interested in. So I knew that I liked biology and my parents are nurses. Um, so I knew that I wanted to go into something healthcare wise. I didn't want to go in down like the doctor nurse route. And I went on a placement that was with a physio. I just remember sitting there thinking, eh, that looks pretty cool. And I like how they can work things out at such speed. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go. <laughs> went to uni, took it. And then as soon as I started the course, I was like, yeah, I'm in the right place. Um, got my sports massage qualification in my first year so I could get working in the field and was working on things like the London Marathon and just was like, I like this is my sector. And then... I do dance myself. Um, so I was always kind of doing my thing in the background. And after I got my first job, which was hospital based, someone that I work with um, told me that someone who had worked there went to work in the dance and performance industry. And I was like, I didn't even consider that was a thing. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, wait a minute, let me look into this. <laughs> and then I ended up reaching out to a company that um, basically specialised in that field. And I moved to London and everything went from there oh wow it's so mm. interesting to hear how different things spiral because I mean probably when you went to uni you didn't have any idea that you'd end up where you are now not a clue honestly I think I went into uni and when you join the physio course they say don't tell everyone that you want to be a sports physio because it's so vast and mm. in the back of my head I was like I'm going to be a sports physio <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, gosh, like there is so much to physio that a lot of people don't even realise. Mm. And I worked in different departments and enjoyed several different things. But when I realised I could combine my love for the performance industry mm. with my love for that kind of MSK um, area, I was like, OK, we're on to something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So when did you like how did you start dancing? Was that just kind of a hobby that you did when you were younger? Yeah, I kind of had done it from when I was younger. My older sister used to go to dance lessons. And um, so then I went to dance lessons after and I just really liked it. And then I was at a dance school, wasn't a big fan of it, being honest. Um, but then I met a really lovely group of people that had trained in various sectors. And we kind of put a group together and we were called Seeing Sounds. <laughs> we put a group together. We did little open classes. We um did choreography for shows and we were like so I grew up in Derby in the Midlands so we used to kind of travel around and do shows and things and then ever since that 
dance has always been like my go-to timeout kind of thing that mm. I've kept on the side um so yeah <laughs> amazing and what what style of dance do you like um yeah that's kind of lyrical based I kind of I like movement that has meaning if that makes sense I like concept mm. pieces I've tried to over the past few years just kind of experiment and explore with that more particularly being in London consistently mm. um so gone for a few commercial classes dug back into ballet training <laughs> yay um, just explore it a bit but yeah that kind of lyrical based movement yeah I mean I have personally watched some of your videos on Instagram and I do think they are gorgeous so for anyone listening I'd recommend going and having a look but uh yeah I do love your your love your style of movement and the quality to it it's really interesting so kind of taking it back to physio how have you found combining your love for the dance industry performing industry with physio it's been incredible like none of the things that I've done I would have ever dreamed that I would be doing Mm. um it's challenging and as the industry is it's very competitive in terms of for the performers and so it comes with that really heavy added pressure of you need to get people back to what they're doing as quick as you can, as efficiently as you can, but also be realistic with people when they're not going to meet their aims. And that can be really difficult Mm. when you're speaking to someone who is under a time pressure and they can't meet it and just trying to persuade and get people to understand their bodies more. Mm. it's, It's really challenging. And I think to begin with, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I found it really, really hard because that level of you've got to really explain yourself well and be so certain in your diagnosis skills in the time frames that you give people. Otherwise, you almost sell people false hope. Mm. And that, that's, well, that's no good, essentially. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's challenging, but also the beauty of being able to treat someone consistently and seeing them go back to what they do. I think it's a lovely industry to see your patients and then go and see them, like actually see them do their thing, go Mm. and see the show, go and see the performances or see the recordings of what they achieve. Because I think in certain, in different sectors, you don't always get to see the end result. And I think I'm very, very lucky to be able to have seen so many people's end results when they've been pulled out of shows or when they've been pulled out of their school training and being able to go, look at you do it and look at you before. Um, So, so rewarding. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that feeling from a personal level of having an injury and then overcoming the injury. There's almost no better feeling than just all of a sudden you're strong again and you feel Mm -hmm. like you can do it. So, I mean, that must be amazing to go on other people's journeys. And who do, what sorts of people do you work with? You work with industry professionals? Yeah, there's a bit of a variety at the moment. We've got a bit of a mishmash. So I see, like, I'll pretty much see any, like, I won't just see performers. Like, if they're friends of friends, if they're working professionals, teachers, etc., I will see anyone. Um, My ethos is I want to work, like, as a team with my patients it's me and them getting them towards their goal and as long as they're willing to cooperate with physio I'm happy to see them um so at the moment I run a little clinic at um Victoria where it's mostly performers that come in or vocal issues um 
but I've got a few people in different um, careers that have just like found me via performers. Um, in Chelsea, the client base is a little bit different. So we've got a full kitted gym there and I also do um, some Pilates training as well there. So sometimes the people I see there are more for like chronic long-standing issues. So we do things like shockwave therapy and my super my supervisors and the superiors do injections and scans so get a few different kind of issues coming in there and then on the drifters it's vocal because it's a big sing show um and also have been kind of looking after some singers and things like that Amazing. so yeah bits and bobs of different sectors there <laughs> yeah definitely so how does the um vocal physio work then how does that differ to i mean bod- bodily physio I think it actually links in quite well. And I think a lot of singers or performers or just people who use their voice a lot, like teachers or presenters, mm. don't really realise how they're getting their sound out. They anchor their whole career on this small area around their neck and they do it until they don't. <laughs> and I usually find that people come in for vocal treatment because of a problem or I've got ill and my voice just stopped working or I've lost my range or actually it hurts to speak or I'll get them referred from like an ear, nose and throat specialist because of an issue. And essentially a lot of education about how the voice works, what muscles are around your neck, what your larynx does, how your vocal cords actually get the sound out. Mm. And then basically optimizing the amount of movement around there and around your back and how you hold your posture to Mm. get an efficient quality to your voice. Because essentially, your voice rides on your airflow. So if you have poor mobility in your back or your posture is really not great or you've got a breathing issue. So for instance, post-COVID, a lot of people have found Mm. their voices are just not great or they fatigue quickly. There's heaps that you can do for posture, back mobility, strength. That doesn't even come to folk like, that doesn't even come towards the neck itself, but will still optimize voice. So there's a few different things that tie in depending on what people come in with. Um, but a lot of it rides on education. Yeah. I mean, as drama school students, we're really lucky in the sense that we are educated on kind of the vocal anatomy and the body. And I think performers are quite good at connecting sometimes with the body, but also not at the same time. There's <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a contrast. But what would you I say? People just go into that kind of auto mode where if you can do it, you just do it. And then when someone asks you, how do you get there? You go, I don't know, but I'm yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a funny thing because I think a lot of the people who start, what I've noticed is a lot of the people who start singing at a younger age, because they've just kind of instinctually learned how to sing, not technically learn how to sing, they yeah. end up more with vocal issues than people who start older and actually learn <laughs> from a technique base. Then that can totally be an issue. And the other thing is your voice changes. Your voice mm. changes so much from when you're younger as you grow. And even the quality and the style and the things that you're doing with your voice will change as well without you really consciously knowing it. And those all play into how you kind of the sound quality and how you use your voice in the end as well. 
Yeah. So would you have one kind of main tip for vocal health for musical theatre students? Because, I mean, whilst we're training, we're using our voices all the time. So one vocal tip, there's loads that I could give. Um, but I'd say one thing to keep an eye on is mobility and posture, because I think we can all feel when we've ended up in like a more slumped position because we've been mm. sat looking at our phone or on the computer, or we find suddenly we can't really twist very well or the back of our neck's catching. Those are things that you can work on yourself if you know the stretches, if you know how to use, let's say, a lacrosse ball or a foam roller to release those points and basically optimise your movement because good movement and good posture will directly influence a better quality of voice. Mm, That's really interesting because I think sometimes we kind of don't link the whole body to the voice. Yeah. (laughs) So... That's, yeah, that's an amazing tip. Thank you so much. And also, I think what I've been, I've become more familiar with mobility recently. And I think Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing because I'm quite a dancer myself and Mm -hmm. I've always focused on strength and stretch. Mm -hmm. And this word mobility has come into my life recently and Mm -hmm. just actually focusing on getting mobility in the spine and well essentially just the spine has actually changed my dancing so much and changed my breathing which is really interesting it's really interesting because I found that I've really neglected mobility I've always focused on like stretching my legs or strengthening but I think mobility is definitely the number three of that list Yeah, I think they kind of all work in a bit of a circle and a change. And what I will say is, for some people, mobility isn't an issue because you've got this kind of umbrella of hypermobility where people Mm. just have that excessive movement in their joints and they can tell them to do a backbend, they can do it. Tell them to twist, they can twist way more than anyone else can. And that for them isn't an issue. And for them, they then go, I need the strength factor of your circular free. They actually need to work on their strength and control. And for them, let's say they might go, actually, I can twist left to right. I've got all my neck mobility, but my back always hurts. And what we might find is that they've got some form of weakness in the back that they need to train that's going to help their posture. So it is quite different depending on what your body type is and kind of what your history of injury is. But that's Mm. great that you've been able to hit the other two and go, actually, there's something missing Mm. (laughs) and find a way to kind of dive in and explore that. Yeah. So looking at the whole body in general how would you what would you say is a tip to for dancers or performers in general uh to connect with their bodies more because i feel like that's something i'm really passionate about is that i mean i've had a quite a few injuries over my like dancing time and every time i get an injury i connect more with my body and i feel like i understand it better is there kind of a tip that you'd suggest um I would say and I, I did a workshop but kind of when we were coming out of whichever lockdown it was last year <laughs> um that we kind of returned to dancing for dancers because I thought everyone's going to come out and want to do every form of class that they could and injury rates are going to go through the sky and one of the first thing that I said to the class that came was take your time to check in so I know we're often nagged to do warm-ups and cool-downs and 
let's say when we go in for a class, sometimes the warm up is only like five minutes and then you crack into the routine because you're excited about the routine or you just want to learn. <laughs> that, I'm guilty of that also. Um, <laughs> but sometimes that time to just go, hold on a sec, how am I today? To move through your whole body, to take a second to just actually breathe will give you enough information subconsciously moving into your day because that let's say even if it is only five minute check-in ideally we want it to be more but if it is only a five minute check-in that's enough for you to go oh actually I can't move my arm properly or actually I've got a bit of a headache today Mm. for you to just tune in and go what are my weaknesses today what are my strong points so that when you go into your movement when you go into your performance you are more conscious and more aware of those vulnerabilities and so you can cater to it and that is one of the greatest ways to kind of get ahead and preventing an injury because you'll go, ah, I noticed that before and now it's worse. Maybe I should do something about it. Hopefully. Mm. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, that's yeah that absolutely. Important. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I think that is great because I do think sometimes injuries occur. I mean, I'm very guilty of it, is that I've had like a slight twinge or something in a certain muscle and maybe perhaps because I didn't check in with how my body was feeling before class I just think oh maybe it will just disappear after like it will be fine and then it has escalated quicker if you consistently check in you'll then notice the day after and the day after that it's getting worse yeah it's getting worse Mm, is it going away no it's probably not going away and you'll be able to clock on to that sooner rather than end up weeks down the line coming into physio and going, I'm not really sure when it started. You'll know very clearly. Ah, I was doing this around that time and I remember thinking that's not quite right. And that just helps you out also for your understanding if you ever have niggles and things like that crop up. Yeah. So alongside uh, a body scan for pre-workout and post-workout, would you kind of have any other tips for dancers or I keep using the word dancers, performers, anyone, um, anyone um, <laughs> to do before before they start class. In general, I'd say know your weaknesses. Which it sounds like a bit of a negative point, but if you know your weaknesses and you know, let's say for me, when I was younger, I definitely tore my hamstring, but I didn't understand what the injury was at that point. And I was quite young and just attempting to dance around on it which was very painful but I now know and I've done kind of strength training for it but I now know that that side is generally the side that I need to be more conscious of when I train when I exercise when I do so if you know what your weaknesses are you can Mm -hmm. train that to benefit you and then you become a better performer you become better at the skills that you are trying to achieve because you already know that's going to be difficult so let me get that better ahead of anything happening and that could come that's widely applicable to be honest that might come in terms of things that you're learning if you're learning a script and you know actually I don't pick up there's numbers in the script I don't pick up numbers very well then you know that's your weakness so you spend extra time with it it's that same kind of principle there just transferred to how you look after your body yeah definitely amazing so when you do this body check-in and this body scan how do you kind of know when something is off and what should you do about it I think it's a difficult one that is and I think Mm. 
most of us know our bodies more than we think we do because it's our home we live in it like we've dealt with it however many years of our lives <laughs> um it's usually uh, what I find people tell me or explain is that they've been doing something some form of habit they've been moving their neck to the side and they've noticed themselves doing it more or they've been let's say for a vocal issue they might have said oh I feel like I need to clear my throat a lot there'll be some form of habit there that maybe you haven't been doing prior that might be your body itching to have like get something looked at so for instance if your hamstring was tight you might just sit with your leg out straight just to get that really gentle stretch without really realizing it um so look for habits that maybe are new um look for pain which is standard if something's achy or you're you kind of moving through and it's actually physically limited or it's giving off a sensation then that's a bit of an information like it's a bit of a prompt there um I think habits are quite a good one to kind of mm. give you a when something breathing though yeah brewing. that's something I've never heard of really so that is interesting because now I'm questioning whether like <laughs> what my habits might be so I'm uh, definitely gonna use that tip in the next in the coming week to try and to see what I do kind of regularly yeah <laughs> that's interesting so going back to I've just thought going back to my uh quick fire round mm -hmm. and the question about stretching and foam rolling what is your opinion mm -hmm. on stretch and release work so it depends on your body type as I kind of touched on before there's a kind of umbrella group of people that fall under hypermobility because they've got what that means essentially is this group of people will have more than standard mobility in certain joints because their ligaments are a little bit more flexible and just basically that's their makeup. Um, but because they've got more mobility and kind of range in their joints, they might not necessarily feel a stretch or you might put them in, let's say, a straight leg lift position or get them sitting in box splits and they'll go can't feel anything <laughs> because they've got that mobility in mm. their joint but they might still complain of tightness in the hamstring in the muscle tissue now that for them stretching wouldn't really be beneficial because they've got the movement so how do you stretch them mm. um bone rolling maybe occasionally useful, but again if they've got the mobility in the joint what they probably then need to go is why is it so tight is it tight and weak or is it tight and strong? And what for, for a lot of people who maybe, um, I'll use the hamstrings as an example, who get that back of thigh discomfort and that tightness feeling, but actually have good mobility, there's often a weakness there where it's just really working hard and feeling tight because it just hasn't got enough power to support the joint. And in that case, they'd need to strengthen and stretching wouldn't really be that much benefit for them. Mm. yeah it absolutely just depends on the body type whereas for other people they might go oh, no, actually I have tight hips all the time and in that case if they're getting a bit of a mobility loss or they're feeling a build-up in tension foam roll away stretch away but use that in conjunction with making sure that your kind of strength around the same given area is as it should be mm. that's really interesting to take away as kind of identify again as you said identify your weakness whether that's have I got yeah. mobility have I not have I got strength have I not and then work from there that's exactly it just like know what your body type is know what your weaknesses are kind of 
know what you're like compared, not even compared, I think take away that comparison from other people because that can also be difficult if you're sat next to someone who's super hypermobile, which you do it, performers do it, compare yourself to the person oh, next yeah. to you because that's the audition and I've got to be better than them. But if their body type is different to yours, you might not need to warm up the same way. You might not need to prep the same way. So it's better to bring that attention to yourself and know, actually, this is what my body needs. Mm. That's going to serve you best. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Treatment of sore muscles. How how do you personally, because you're a dancer, so how do you treat your muscles when you kind of wake up and you're like, oh, my legs don't feel great today? Are we sore because they're tired or are we sore because they're injured that would be the question sore because they're tired and you've worked hard okay um I tend to get like that two day done so not the day after I train usually two days after I get achy muscles and mm. again for me personally it's because they're tired so I do well with a foam roll sometimes I use my massage gun and mm. if I can get to sauna I will because muscles tend to respond quite nicely to that heat and just flush your blood flow in flush it out um again there's a little bit in knowing your body type so it might be for some people that actually they just need to get the tension out and that gets rid of the ache for some people it might be for some people let's say the hypermobile groups they might find actually they just need to train another muscle group and then it settles down Mm. um for some people it's treatment if it's really really tight and tired um get in to see a massage therapist or a physio cupping acupuncture massage there's a whole array of things that you can do to kind of boost that recovery and just give that new muscles a bit of tlc um yeah it's a difficult one it did, again depends on your body type i'd say yeah. hot bath hot showers ice and heat treatment alternating can sometimes feel nice it would largely depend on what training you've been doing and how tired you are <laughs> mm. i think that's such a great takeaway is kind of know your body type essentially because I think so many of the questions the answers that you've given have been based around your body type and knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are yeah there's a lot once you kind of know a bit more about yourself and let's say maybe it's a history of oh, I always get that injury why do you always get it when you know what your habits are and how you handle them, there's heaps you can do. And I think as a physio, the thing that I want to see the most is sending people away going, I can deal with this on my own. That for me, like above anything, is when I know that I've done my job well, when they go, right, I don't need to see for a bit. It's not, a, oh no, I don't get to see. Well, obviously if I've got nice people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That knowing that actually they know themselves enough now to deal with this on their own or they know themselves enough so that if anything came up they'd be able to handle it that for me is a job well done yeah um, so, yeah <laughs> amazing well I think we're gonna have to wrap it up but I've got one last question um which I would like to end on is do you have a quote that you live by or a quote that is one of your favorites that you would like to share okay yeah okay i say this a lot to people i say it to my friends i say it to myself 
I think that essence of it's never too late to start over is really important. Sometimes we wait for a certain chapter in our life or until something happens before we go, I will allow myself to start over. And I think sometimes even when people come to see me with injuries and they hit a bump in the road, they get so frustrated about that essence of starting again. But it can actually be a good thing to have a fresh mindset, to look at things differently and to take that opportunity whenever you need to instead of fighting yourself with it. So, yeah, don't feel bad about starting again if you need to. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. You're so knowledgeable. (laughs) You are. Well, thank you.